0: the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the Prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness, and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And they went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of skin about his loins. He ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. How different is this to the other Gospels? The beginning of the good news concerning Jesus Christ, the Son of God. See, God has some good news for men and women. I don't care who you are, my friend. Jesus came to put away your sin by the sacrifice of himself. Welcome
1: to The Unchanging Word, Radio Bible Study. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me too. As we study, let's read the first six verses of the Gospel of Mark, which start off with two Old Testament quotes. The first from Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, and then from Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. God preserves his word through the ages, both for Mark to write them down and for you and me to read them. God will always have his messenger and his message. Dr. Mitchell emphasizes that God is always on time. Our Savior came to the earth at the right time, and Jesus also will come to receive his own to himself at the right time. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 says, The Lord Jesus Christ will appear in his own time to show who is the blessed and only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords. Here's Dr. Mitchell, Mark chapter 1, verse 1. You're listening to The Unchanging Word, Bible broadcast.
0: Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with studies in the gospel through Mark. And I sincerely hope that you are reading this gospel through just 16 chapters. Or if you don't want to do it the other way, read each chapter through a number of times. For example, we'll be dealing with the first chapter for a while. And you read it over and over again. I'll not be too long. Then I want to go on down through the book. But these first introductory remarks concerning the gospel through Mark uh, needs to be said these days because we we do not read our Bibles to get out of them what God has put in. Most of us just skim our Bibles instead of reading them. So I just trust you'll read them, will you? Will you? And now we've been discussing this first verse, now our last lesson, the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of good news concerning Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then you have two verses from the Prophets, as it is written in the Prophets. So, you see, he connects the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to two Old Testament passages. The first one is in verse 2, a quotation from Malachi, Chapter 3, the first verse, which says, as it is written in the Proverbs, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Then he quotes from Isaiah 40, verse 3, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. That's Malachi 3, 1, and Isaiah 40, verse 3. And notice how Mark ties this gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with Old Testament prophecy. God is always on time. You see, from Malachi to Matthew, till our Lord came, you have 400 years of silence. No prophets, nothing written as far as the revelation of God is concerned. In fact, the last two chapters of Malachi deal with the coming of the Savior. And the one who will come before him is God's messenger. I send my messenger before thy face, that is the faith of Jesus Christ, who shall prepare thy way before thee. Indeed the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And immediately it says, John did baptize in the wilderness. You notice the connection. He came at the right time. I want you to mark this. He always comes at the right time. God always is on time. Take, for example, that verse in Galatians chapter 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son born of a woman. Take Romans chapter 5, verse 6. When we were yet without strength, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He was born at the right time. He died at the right time. And by the way, he's going to come back again at the right time. He's not going to be a minute late, and he's not going to be a minute ahead of time. God is always on time. You know, sometimes we Christians get kind of beside ourselves because God doesn't move fast enough for us. You see, well, Mr. Mitchell, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and God doesn't move. Well, you want God to move at your time or His time. Are you demanding that God should do what you want him to do? <laughs> My friend, that's not spirituality. That's more more babyhood. That's not maturity. You put yourself in the hands of the Lord. Put your affairs in the hand of the Lord. And calmly walk before Him. He'll give you peace. He'll give you rest. And He's always on time. Sometimes in our desire for things to be done, we defeat the very thing we want done by our haste. And you remember it says, the servant of the Lord shall not make haste. But when God says, go, then you hurry up and go. See, there's a difference between being zealous for God. And I'm not opposed to that by any means. God give us more zeal for the Lord. But let's walk in His path. May His will be the dominant thing, not my will, somebody else's will. even in this book, this gospel through Mark, allow me to do this. I said a moment ago in the very first verse, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And as you read the 16th chapters, you know what I find? Not once did the disciples ever call him the Son of God in Mark. Not once, not once. Demons did, the very first chapter. The demons knew who Jesus was. I know who you are. Over and over again, the demons knew him. I know who you are. You're Jesus. Now the Son of God, the Son of the Highest. The high priest said, when he challenged Jesus just before the Lord went to the cross, he challenged Jesus. He put him on the rolls. Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Highest? Intimating the Son of God. And when you come to chapter 15, our Lord is crucified. The amazing thing is, while He's on the cross, dying for you and for me, the centurion said, truly this is the Son of God. The first verse is the son of god the gospel concerned the son of god and yet all the way through he's the son of man why he's the servant of jehovah even when when the lord asked peter to whom the men say that I the son of man am, what did peter answer was thou art the christ of god i know matthew says in chapter 16 thou art the christ the son of the living god i know in john chapter 6 Lord, to whom can we go? Thou alone hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that Thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. But you don't find that in Mark. Strange, is it not? No, it isn't strange. All the way through, He's the Son of Man, the Son of Man. He's the servant of Jehovah. And it was prophesied in Malachi 400 years before. I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord; make his paths straight. You see, he came at the right time to prepare the way of the Lord. And Mark, as I said a moment ago, Mark ties this in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He ties it in with the prophetic picture in Malachi three one. And isaiah 40 verse 3. now we come to verse 4 from verses um really from 4 right on down through to verse 8 you have his forerunner and just as there is very little said about our savior in fact nothing said about our savior until he comes on the scene at 30 years of age nothing said about john either about his father or his mother or where he was born or thing about him he just came right on the scene preaching He's the messenger that shall come before the lord and remember the gospel the good news is concerning a person jesus christ the son of god if christ is not the center of your testimony something wrong with it he must be the center now notice what john did i'm going to read from verses 4 down to verse 8. john did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And they went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair, with a girdle of skin about his loins, he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water but he shall baptize you with the holy spirit that's the end that's it he's the forerunner first of all let me ask how he came now as i said a while ago concerning our savior you don't want the genealogy or the background of a servant only thing you want to know can he serve can he do the job see if I were to go down to a machine shop and ask for a job, the first thing the fellow would ask me, what's your experience in a machine shop? So here, nothing about father or mother or anything. Look at verse verse 6. How did he come? John was clothed with camel's hair, with a girdle of skin about his loins. He did eat locusts and wild honey. That's how he came. He was clothed very simply. Nothing put on at all, and he ate clean food according to the Levitical code, locusts and wild honey. See, you find his history, by the way, in uh, in the Gospel through Luke. His father Zacharias, his mother Elizabeth, and so on. When you come to John's Gospel. We just read this: There was a man sent from God, whose name is John. He was not that light, but he came to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might be saved. That's all. In the Gospel through John, if you start in there about verse 19 on, you'll find again where the Jews try to get John occupied with John when they said, uh, "Are you the Messiah?" No. Uh, who are you that we might uh, tell the folks who you are? I'm only the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Satisfied to be a voice for God. That's all. My friend, are you satisfied to be just a voice for God? Where? In a great big church pulpit? No, no, no. In the wilderness. In the wilderness. See, it's not a question of greatness, it's a question of obedience. I know some young preachers, young men, the ambition is to be the pastor of a large church or the head of some institution. No. John, what about your ambition? I'm just perfectly satisfied to be a worshiper and to be a testimony for God. I'm only a voice crying in the wilderness. No room for pride. Oh, but didn't he have room for that? Didn't Jesus himself testify that John was the greatest man born of woman? Well, certainly not greatest in character or relationship. He was greatest because of his place of privilege. He was the forerunner, God's messenger to go ahead of his son. Question of position in ministry. Isaiah prophesied way back yonder centuries before when he said the voice of one or prepare ye the way of the Lord make his path straight a voice crying in the wilderness or Malachi 400 years before Christ I send my messenger before thy face which shall prepare thy way before thee John came did he come with a retinue of angels no was he born in a palace no no What's his background? Nothing. Just a voice. You know, there's something about this that gets a hold of me. How easy it is for us all, Mitchell included, especially if God blesses you and uses you and gifts you, the danger of getting occupied with what you're doing instead of the person of whom you speak. The danger here. That's why Paul cautioned Timothy about not letting a young man preach, because he might fall into the snare of the devil. That is, a young believer should fall in the snare of the devil. Just a voice, even though the Lord testified he was the greatest man born of woman, John didn't stick his head up and stick out his chest and say, look at me. I came to introduce to you the Son of God. No, no, no. I'm only your voice. I want no place. He hides behind the Savior. Listen to him. There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop and unloose. Somebody coming after me who's preferred before me. See, all right. Now let's go back. What did John preach? What was his message? You notice in verse 4 he baptized in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance unto the remission of sins. John preached the remission of sins. He got right down into their conscience. He preached for a verdict repentance. Oh, how that word is being distorted. What do you mean by repentance i know the word the greek word means to change your minds and about face change your mind like you have in first thessalonians 1 9 where paul says to these thessalonian christians how you turn to god from idols to serve the living and true god they didn't turn from their idols to god they turned to god from their idols Many people give up sin. They give up one thing or another. Some special sin they give up. But that doesn't make them a Christian. You can give up all your sins. That doesn't make you a Christian. Listen, my friend, being religious, giving up sins, going through ceremonies, doesn't make you a child of God. This man, John the Baptist, He came as the forerunner of the Savior. He came to prepare the way of the Lord. He came to call out those in Israel who were sick of sin, and they came from all over to the river Jordan. Why didn't he preach in the temple in Jerusalem? No, he went out into the wilderness. He went down there by the wilderness of Judea, down by the river Jordan. And you preached repentance of sin. Repentance. Change your mind. Change your mind about God. Change your mind about yourself. Well, that's pretty hard. Change your mind about yourself. I'm not as bad as the other fellow. I'm as good as most Christians. Yeah, that may be so. I'm not arguing that. How do you stand before God? This is John. It's repentance. If you go to Luke's gospel, go to Matthew's gospel and see what he said to these folk. Oh, I'm telling you, he really put it right on the line. No holding back. Like a sledgehammer blows one after the other. Called them all to repentance. He said some pretty strong things to the religious leaders too. Bring forth meat. actions meet for repentance prove it he got right down into their conscience he labeled sin, sin now we're living in a permissive society i'm very sorry to say this i'm burdened about this so every christian ought to be burdened about this especially in these days we're facing some tremendous things in our land it's high time we came back to god where sin is called sin And when i think today of the fact that the very sins that caused the destruction of sodom and ramara the very sins that god warned israel and the punishment was death we're bringing them right into our churches today and putting up with it and in some cases acknowledging it with no repentance in fact in fact we kind of proud we can do. We're, we're broad-minded, you know. We can, Man can do what he wants to do, yes. I'm reminded, too, in the last verse of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That permissiveness, what it lead to, rebellion, lawlessness, and eventual captivity. And, my friend, I tell you very frankly, you can't disobey the laws of God and not suffer for it. You reap what you sow. Now, John came to Israel at a time when they were extremely religious. John came, and he looked that crowd over, and I'm saying they quaked before him when they looked into John's eyes. It was God's voice speaking to them. I'm only a voice crying in the wilderness. What? Repent ye. As we have it in Matthew, come repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And prove your repentance by what? by being baptized in water. They were not the water didn't wash away their sins. Nothing can wash away sin but the blood of Christ, as you have it in first John one, seven, and the blood of Jesus Christ God's Son can cleanse from all sins. Or as Hebrews tense it not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats can take away sin, but this man, Jesus, by one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. He came, and John came to introduce him, as John one twenty nine says, as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I want to do this in my next lesson. I'm going to stop right here. I'm talking to anyone. I don't care who you are, my friend. Jesus came to put away your sin by the sacrifice of himself. And John came to introduce the Savior of sinners. John didn't save. John was preparing the way of the Lord. He was gathering together the believing remnant of Israel for the Savior when he came. We'll see that in our next lesson. The Lord bless you today for his wonderful namesake. Oh,
1: precious is the flow that Thank you for listening to The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. So until next time, this is The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life